Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. So yeah, feel free to introduce yourself. Uh, good uh, afternoon. My name is uh, Togozane Kenneth Gunene, the General Secretary of the Communist Party of Swaziland. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And I would like to begin by talking to you about the class conditions of Swaziland in particular. So uh, probably a little bit of the history of the structure, uh, the monarchy in Swaziland, how it's created a particular administrative uh, bureaucracy in the country and how it's organized was in, in particular through the Tinkundla system. So, you know, for people who are unfamiliar uh, and are listening, what is the Tinkundla system and, and how does it organize Swaziland for the monarchy? Thank you very much. Swaziland has been a British colony and in the period of decolonization, the Swazi people were led uh, through trade unions and political organizations for a struggle for liberation uh, and uh, which matured at around 1964 uh, leading into a decision by the British colonial system that they will now hand over power to 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 the people of Swaziland and their conditions that it will be to help first to advise and uh, organize the monarchy to form a political party so that it can continue to dominate or to take over from the colonial power. And uh, in that period in 1968, Swaziland gained independence uh, and it was among the countries that were given shame independence by British colonial system in order not to lose control and influence in Africa. And in the period 1968, Swaziland was declared independent and the monarchy through its political party had a majority control. And in a tricameral system of parliament, they were able to annex power. And in 1973, the pressure mounted from internally because there was now continuity of the struggles. But at that period, the apartheid system was also contesting Swaziland as a territory in a sense that uh, the struggling forces in South Africa led by the ANC and the SCCP were also making uh, use of the situation or the democracy in Swaziland, even though it was under those circumstances of a, a, a shame independence, but they were able to use and take advantage of the space. And therefore Swaziland was defined as one of the frontline state by apartheid that is also creating problems uh, as the external mission of the liberation movement in South Africa was using the frontline state to advance and move closer towards uh, doing their missions of liberation in South Africa against apartheid. And therefore the apartheid system advised the monarchy uh, to neutralize any elements of democracy and it then claimed absolute power by 
a decree which was uh, politically crafted by apartheid. Uh, one advocate called uh, De Vries, who was the agitator of the decree. And in that period, parties were, were, were banned and there was absolute monarchy from there. And then all the powers were in the king and uh, every form of democracy was now neutralized. And in the sense that in the process of trying now to make it adaptable, then it formulated itself into a system, they call it Tinkunda system. So Tinkunda system generally, it is and it was a, a system or a, a process created by the monarchy and to help itself blanket it's a, a, a open a dictatorship by creating a system that will systematically create organize the government and claim that the absolute power has got some leverages so the Tengula system was then introduced with the support of the of the king uh, as a controller of all the system and instruments and also its monarchical institution including the chiefs and the which exerted much power and the preaching in our country and this system has always as was formally launched in 1978 and it was then in that period that uh, it was an instrument that uh, uh, suppressed any form of violence but at the same time creating an acclimatization in the world that it is a workable system it is a new system that also had liberties or rights to organize and therefore it was organized in the pattern that though the system is characterized that it never changed the absolute power of the monarch but created a legislative system a sort of a puppet legislature that will have no powers on the all power was in the absolute monarchy but it will allow people to participate at local levels, but in the parliamentary system without actually having all powers and dictated in, 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 in any system. But it also created a very unique system that it also, whilst there would be a legislative system, but it created also a, a, a Senate system whereby in the, in the system of legislature, where there would be constituency representative, but decisions and any policies can only pass through the House of Senate and the House of Senate is it's two thirds controlled by the monarchy. And therefore for any chance of any change through parliamentary system will be or will not find any way because there will be the, the Senate representatives which determine all policy outlook and it was then dominated by the monarchy whereby the king appoints 20 out of the 30 members of the Senate, and therefore there could be no legislative system that passes through. But it has created a very horrible situation in that the whole economy was in their control, in the control of the monarchy. And also it has also uh, created a, a, a system whereby in the, in the period of where no rights of the people, but it also created a condition that there could be no way at which people can express their views and their voices because they have got, the monarch has got absolute power over the judicial system. And uh, it has a full control also of the government because the king appoints the prime minister and also determines how the whole system can operate. And therefore it becomes a closed system of absolute power. So in other words, the system is a galvanized absolute monarchy rule that has suppressed our people and now as we speak our country is the most poor people or uh, population majority are poor the economy is in the hands of the of the few minority ruling, ruling system but it also historically created a, its life within imperialism it has also absorbed its, its livelihood within imperialism so it's a capitalist system 
uh, that is has got monarchy authority or absolute monarchy, but it runs through an autocratic system that denies all rights in right to of the media and the right of expression of everyone. It was not only political parties banned, but it also suppresses and silences all views from our people. And at this time and at this cause, we are fighting this system and the condition at which we are fighting it is still in the same conditions under the same system whereby the rights to organize are being denied and therefore it makes almost everything underground. But in the whole period of our struggle, some conditions have pushed the regime such that even though political parties are banned in the country, but because of uh, the organizations and the nature of the resistance, there are now similar conditions whereby it has not been so easy to isolate the political underground organizations from being influential in terms of how they can mobilize people, even though they are still under suppression. It is now very, still very easy to target trade union and underground political activities for repression and control because legally they are not supposed and expected to, express, to, to exist and operate. Absolutely. And, and I think what you mentioned was, was fascinating about the connection between the, the monarchy and the apartheid regime, in particular, uh, Swaziland, you know, I, I think some people may know that Swaziland was very close with, the monarchy was very close with apartheid while it, while it existed. And Swaziland actually you know, lobbied against the sanctions of the US and the UK uh, and, and supported the apartheid regime in some ways. So can you elab elaborate a little bit more on how the monarchy was close to the apartheid regime, allowed the regime to uh, come in and basically suppress democracy, ban all political parties, to be against the ANC and the SACP? Being a subservient a, a power, it always uh, exists uh, on the dictates of its principles. And therefore, in that case, it was apartheid imperialism, which, and, and as, as stated, that it was and it has been a system that has uh, been a very powerful and strong influence in the region. And its influence was also being uh, associated with how it worked and supported imperialism. So apartheid is also, as an imperialist system, was also seen and an extension. So there was no way that this uh, regime in the autocracy could survive without supporting or submitting to the dictates of its principles. We have already cultivated it. So it existed and created its life in that way. But the critical dynamics of that environment was that whilst the regime in Swaziland could still stand up in support of what of their masters, but they also opened up space and participated in very close uh, uh, activities that could on one and another organize and create up a way that it can support and practically act as a facility, as, a, as, an, as, as an institution that will help apartheid to suppress any of the organizations uh, underground that operate in the country. As such, the majority or most of underground NC activists who died uh, uh, under apartheid's hands, uh, it happened in Swaziland. There was a lot of uh, those atrocities that were carried out within the regime. And as we speak now, all those atrocities are still uh, not exposed, even though they also show highest level of magnitude. Uh, within the region than any other. We may have seen more have died in Mozambique, Maputo, Matola, for example, but those that happen in Swaziland are still not profiled, meaning that some way, one or another, there's still some concealment of such an arrangement. But another additional critical point is that 
up to today, the regime in Swaziland still survived because of remnants of apartheid that still supported and galvanized its existence. And they've got some proximities of a state institution like the police and also with the army because they still enjoy that kind of long leverages and the advantages. So I think those are the other practical dynamics. But for it to be a system that has always sided with imperialism, it has because of its how it was formulated and organized, and it has never betrayed its masters, and is still acting on the same condition on footing. It is of that reason that when you define Timbuktu the system in Swaziland as autocratic and oppressive, it cannot actually rule out that it is still a subservient of imperialism, and imperialism still backs up. It gets loans, financial and technical support from imperialism, and yes, it has also reinforced its original internal capabilities through what would be the remnants of apartheid. And it is how even now we are trying to balance up our struggle that these experiences and capabilities are still the one that resists or that the resistant movement is faced with and with the minimum support probably we might be getting. But I think in a nutshell that this system has always survived and has always been in the service of its masters, if it's, if of, of its founders and can never betray them and we are still exposed into that kind of a, a dynamic, even though then apartheid must have been overthrown. But I think we are still enjoyed under situation or circumstances of such kind of a, a system that I think was declared inhuman uh, by the international communities. And up to this far, the regime in Swaziland is still not yet declared to that level, even though atrocities are still in the highest magnitude as it were under apartheid. And, and on the note of some of those atrocities, so, you know, throughout the period of apartheid, I'm sure you're familiar with the South African defense forces would invade Swaziland, would come in and, you know, conduct operations against ANC activists. I think in 1982, they, they bombed a car and, and killed two ANC operatives in, in operating in Swaziland. So what are some of the other examples of, of the apartheid regime actually coming in? Uh, invading Swaziland in some in some ways or using it for a base of operations against the the ANC and committing some atrocities against uh, the Swazi people as well as South Africans who are operating in the country. A, a big number was ambushed in Mobeni, in in Matapa, uh, some in Malkans. Uh, those were the most significant numbers because by nature, the system of apartheid had full control and access over the police station in Swaziland and they were fully running uh, uh, the mission thereafter. And as such, still they are still unidentified or undeclared uh, de or people have disappeared and some have disappeared in Swaziland. But because of the existence of the regime in Swaziland, there's been no any further open investigation to that effect. But the other important aspect is that some sources also were affected or were killed uh, in the same uh, situation. There were sources who were uh, participating and supportive to apartheid to, to the struggling people of South Africa, and they were also silenced. But uh, they were also uh, affected by those conditions. Some were killed, but others still disappeared. There are families in Swaziland that are still searching for their relatives who were part of the South African or the South African liberation movement operations, but they've still not been uh, declared where they are, but they were known to have disappeared and it was through those systems. But another important aspect to that dimension is that there are still uh, uh, farms and still uh, assets that are still now available, in particular game reserves and other 
uh, uh, lands that are still in the hands of the same system that they are practically still used now for that reason. But also, they participated in the training uh, of Swazi police and soldiers towards those uh, and with, within those skills, and they part and influence uh, 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 the, the, the how the system of Swazi, of the regime in Swazi now work. But there are very important scars that our people in the country can still trace up and share up uh, in some in practical terms about how they were subdued by apartheid and as they were being uh, uh, associated with activist activism with the liberation movement in South Africa. In Big Bend, there are practical cases. There are people who have been killed within inside prisons uh, by the regime. So they are they are huge. And the numbers, I think, have been identified to be amongst the, the, the highest numbers. Names are still uh, coming up and others have been declared, but some, uh, as I've said, are not yet uh, exposed and some families are still crying foul what happened to their children. And unless that is unmasked and there's an active campaign in Swaziland to investigate that, then some of the other practical things cannot be known, cannot be even identified. We believe that there are still outstanding uh, incidences that also had to, to expose that atrocities. But yes, there are numbers of almost over 70 or so that were declared that are people who have died inside Swaziland. But others still make arguments that this is very small from what others might have experienced uh, through uh, in the life when Swaziland was under a, a apartheid and until apartheid was ended in 1990. But in Swaziland, even some were killed beyond 1990 because I think there was still an, an, an impression that apartheid can still regain its capabilities. But moreover, there were also incidences that they could use Swaziland for other activism, that, uh, uh, underground activism by apartheid that would be used, that would be like some were kidnapped in South Africa and killed in Swaziland, tortured and killed in Swaziland, and some would be buried within uh, shallow graves and also un unidentified graves. I think it is also defines a, a lot of uh, investigations as we may move forward in our, in our struggle that there are still atrocities. But I think at the same time, it is of that reason that I think uh, some way, one or another, that crimes of apartheid uh, cannot be completely uh, uh, unmasked unless uh, Swaziland also opens up for, for those kind of, of details investigation. Right, so I, I think that this is one of the key demands of the Communist Party um, that, that you're pointing out is that, you know, in addition to the general struggle, these also have to be reckoned with the crimes of apartheid in Swaziland. And I'm interested with that, with in general, the, the Communist Party and your, your activism and your demands, uh, in particular, how you envision uh, abolishing the Tikunla system uh, and, and changing it, you know, what needs to be done to replace this system uh, with, a, with an alternative, with a communist system? Um, and I think with that, you know, something that, that you've pointed out as well is the, the key issue of land, uh, the fact that, you know, since the early uh, 20th century, uh, two thirds of the land in Swaziland was owned by Europeans um, or by corporations. So that still today is a critical issue. So I wonder if you can talk a bit about that, how uh, the Communist Party envisions uh, land reform in Swaziland, uh, you know, hopefully after uh, a period of, of, you know, opening up the country, as you pointed out, a, a revolutionary phase. The most important task of the struggle we are waging in the country on the perspective of the CPS is that 
we need a total overthrow of the monarchy or, or the absolute uh, system. Uh, the overthrow of the system in us means it will be through the total overthrow of the dictatorship and its replacement with the People's Democratic Republic, uh, whereby the central government has got full control uh, even over the land. And uh, the people and, and in their own influence in the state will determine how the land will be used through a, a centralized system and also will then use the land in a decentralized way that all communities must have the, the, the leverage and the rights to determine how land can be used for agriculture, the land can be used for economic activity, and the land can be used also for the settlement of the people and the livelihood in general. And in this way, uh, it will mean then it is, that's why the over, total overthrow of the regime is an important necessity because we are under this condition now, the, the king has got full control of the land. Though they are systematically selling out of the land to individual farmers, to individual people who have got uh, money to buy over, but in the main, they are sharing it among themselves as royal family members and making our people without land. So our land reform program will, will practically make sure that the land in the country is used for basic activism, economic activity, and people must have access to it. And in our own vision, it is that the, as we might be aware that 70% of the people of our country are in rural communities and they constitute almost 90% of the poor people in the country. And the reason they are poor, it is not because they are, there is inability to survive within the land area or spaces they are in. But it is important that this must be noticed that if only there is the land reform system that will understand that how will the rural environment or the rural uh, 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 situation support or integrate with the, the, the urban uh, uh, livelihood. In one sense, it will mean how do we do the basic activism of uh, agriculture and how does it support the, the manufacturing or the industrial uh, activism in the urban communities. And therefore, our policies and our view as a party is that when there is a balance between the, the usage of land along those aspects that we can close the gap uh, between the rich and the poor, the, the gap between the urban and the, and, and the rural communities of which are extremely underdeveloped. And in sense, it will mean every land uh, uh, space in our country should be through the determination of a democratic process on the people's over the people's power, it can be distributed and can be practically uh, used effectively for the solution of the problems in our country. We say without the land in the hands of the people through the central government, there can be no way that the present situation of poverty can be reversed. And in that sense, it means that it would be in the practical involvement of the people in activism. Uh, with the lack of skills that people in the countryside might have, and even the lack of education and through this whole history of disempowerment, it says clearly that agriculture will be the basis of the, of the economic activism of the rural communities. And the land as it defines a, a very effective uh, wealth basic or wealth base, it can accommodate the interests of our people. We believe that in no time, uh, within the short period of time, that's why the CPS speaks about an economic emergency program which will then have to focus on the end of poverty. And in that aspect of that emergency plan, uh, 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 economic emergency plan, there will be the issue of dealing with poverty and the issue of land 
uh, redistribution or land reforms will be in the central position of that level. And as such, as we say in the party, that cannot happen without the full involvement of our people. That's why our mobilization for the overthrow of the people, of, of, the, of the autocracy today, relies on how much and how quick are we to mobilize consciously the masses of our country. If they are not involved in the overthrow of the system, and then it would mean actually it would be very difficult for us to achieve what we want to achieve, an achievement that will not only serve, say, ideological interests of the party, but that will serve to attend to the critical burning question of our population of uh, this impoverishment of our people that has always existed in, in our society. And if we are interested in the working up of the ending of poverty in our country, it means systematically that land uh, reforms must be taken care of with speed and also must be done in, in, in the manner that it is categorically associated with its with wealth, wealth availability that can change things around. We believe that our country has got enough resources, that uh, natural resources that it can be transformed and in cooperation with the wealth in a new form, whereby there will be mutual beneficiation from other countries in the world. Our population, uh, our country can transform into a better uh, a country, even though we are the most affected population in the world, but we can think, change things around and reverse all the miseries of today miseries of massive poverty and underdevelopment and also the diseases that are killing our population can also come to an end. It is of that reason that the party will do so. But we have also recognized that it doesn't, as situation detects now, that it cannot only be a slogan of saying it can be overthrown. Practical activity must take place up to now. And it is clear that in our view that without well-organized activism that will then directly push the regime into the, 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 the dictates that we want, I think it would be impossible. And as such, that's why the Communist Party now drives away that direct action must be applied to force the regime, to weaken it, to make it this country ungovernable. And it's in this case that the response of the masses is showing some rapid capabilities, but also there's still much to be done because we have to overthrow or neutralize a power that doesn't necessarily rely on the capacity of the monarch itself, but it's a power that relies in the entirety of the autocracy. As we have said, that its historical foundation defines how it can work and how it functions. It is of that reason that we also use international solidarity because at some stages it is important that international community must play a role and must also add to the values that we need as revolution forces to overthrow, to overcome these uh, privileges that the regime has had over apartheid and over imperialism. And we must also ensure that the countries that continue to support the regime, the working class people of, the, of those countries must be with us to at least in one or another force their governments to stop supporting the dictatorship and weaken the power of the, of the autocracy. It is in that way that we believe that in as much as you can organize internally, but also must influence that the countries, imperialist countries that are and sub-imperialist countries that continue to support the regime must also stop doing so. And therefore we can achieve our democracy and we can resolve the whole issues. And when the land is in the hands of the people, we believe that we can change and reverse all the miseries of our past. That is how the CPS view and revisit its, its, and, and its, its approach to say, Swazen can be changed into democracy, but it cannot be liberal democracy. It must be democracy with an aim of resolving the problems and contradictions in our country. And the contradictions are that the majority of our people in the country have no control of the means of production and they must control them. And they can only do that if they are 
in control of a state and they can only control of a state if they develop a, a democratic dispensation that will ensure that the masses of our country all have got the rights and the freedom that are required to ensure that they participate in a democratic process to change things around. It can only change through a democratic dispensation, through a democratic process, to, through a, a mass participatory situation. It cannot come through elitism. That is what the Communist Party is emphasizing. And we believe that the conditions as they change now, the Communist Party position becomes now a popular view, a popular position amongst our masses because they define the realities of our situation. Well, I, I completely agree with everything you said. Um, I, I'm also interested in, in necessarily as well how communism uh, as an ideology, you know, how, how you're kind of defining it and interpreting it. And just to say, I mean, you know, something that really interests me and a lot of people who I'm sure are watching is it, it's hard to imagine in some ways communism after uh, the 20th century and, and especially like a communist party in in 2022, uh, for a lot of people, people struggle to think, you know, how, how could communism persist today, of course, but that's a very bourgeois point of view. Um, but that's why it's so inspiring to see uh, the Communist Party of Swaziland and to see all that you're doing and still leading this ideology in, in the present. So that's why I'm, I'm interested in asking, you know, why does the revolution in Swaziland have to be a communist one as all the things you're just pointing out uh, of achieving state power, of fighting imperialism, of solving the immiseration of, of the Swazi people. You know, how in particular is this ability to use communism as an ideology today in, in 2022 uh, necessarily able to meet the conditions of Swaziland in the, in the present moment? For us and in, in our understanding of communism, it is a an expression of the consciousness of the people. It relies on the dynamics of our society. And therefore, in our own case, we use this ideology to make our people to understand why are they suffering? Why are they in that subject? And in reality, it is because they are not in control of the means of production. And therefore, if they are not in control of the means of production, their conditions will never change. And we are through action exposing them even though there would be a condition that others will say the productive forces including the consciousness of our people and also the capacity of the production capacity of the working class people uh, are necessary for change but also it to us it says also in under our own conditions with the element of absolute monarch there is a, a situation whereby we say to fight an autocratic system it also requires the full embodiment of our people. And there is no way that people can be involved if they do not understand and they are not involved, they don't agree or have got no purpose of knowing that what the change they want will bring to their own situation and what is their situation or their circumstances, their interest. So for us, the ideology or Marxism makes people to understand their class position, who they are. So, and also to define their interests in a collective way. And that's why we trust it and we use it. And it is working and as it has worked with many countries. And also the condition we are faced with is that it, what makes our situation a bit more dynamic in, in, in some sense, it is that the absolute power is the system, is a condition that has denied any form of liberties. But on another note, it is on the basis that the working class people of our country are on themselves a burden to any form of liberal of liberalism. 
And therefore, if they are a bad dean, there will be nowhere that any reform can create any change. So there is a stiffness between what petty bourgeois interests might be in the country and also towards alignment with internal interests of, of capitalism under the autocracy without the work of the masses, without the full involvement of the masses. So in us, the dynamics of our country makes this ideology, makes Marxism the most important practical ideology, in particular because it is we treat it not as far-fetched as uh, 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 about concepts, as, as about uh, theoretical work without practice. As long as our people are aware of their history, they can easily acclimatize with the ideology because it only expresses that why are our people so poor? They are aware that there was a colonial system never helped their situation, but instead it made it worse. The absolute power have never helped change anything, but they've made the situation worse. So these conditions that people are faced with are the ones that make this ideology workable because it says nothing without the people without the people can be for the people. So when we say so, we are introducing or it makes this ideology very practical to the people that who are they for them to be in power? Then it says they are a class, they are not an individual. So our people are already in a position that there can be no way that a certain elitist or a certain form of individual or organized elites or small clique can claim they can do something for the people. So with that, it, it easily comes in. And in the course of activism, it is demonstrating that Marxism in the country is in practice. The ideology in the country, it makes a lot of sense because the working class or the oppressed people themselves are saying there can be no one, there can, is no way we can do things on their behalf. It is only when they are involved. And therefore it makes them to say, they want to have access to have control of the state and as a majority. And therefore, democracy makes a lot of sense to us, to, to the people of Swaziland. It cannot be, even if it can be a, a power of a communist elite, it may not survive in our country. And therefore, that is how the CPS has introduced. We are not promoting a power of communists. We are talking about the power of a class. We're talking about people's rights and people's freedom. We are all dependent on the abilities of the people that through a democratic practice, a detailed democracy, that our country can politically transform quicker and economically transform gradually, whilst making sure that the interests of the majority of the people of our country are observed. And because they will be majority through a democratic process, the changes will take place in the pattern and method that will change the things that people are experiencing today. If there is poverty in our country, our people are aware that they can, the only people to end poverty, it is them. If there is oppression in our country, only people who can change oppression, it is them. And how can they, only when they've got understanding of the political dynamics and also understanding of how of the political economy of our country and have got abilities that there are social underlying parties that defines interests. They want houses, they want an end of poverty, they also want food, they want education for their children, they want a health system that will, that will cover them, that will not necessarily be defined on expenses. So something else that I was interested in with respect to the Communist Party's interpretation of, of Marx and reading of Marx is the belief of many people who read Marx, particularly in the West, that a communist revolution can happen in, in, uh, in Africa or in a developing or underdeveloped country, that it has to happen first in Europe. 
Um, and I wonder how the conditions right now in Swaziland that the Communist Party is uh, is interacting with, you know, have proven revolutionary, and this kind of disproves not necessarily Marx, but disproves some people who interpret him in a more rigid way, in a more Eurocentric manner, um, and how the party is interpreting Marx in a way that allows for discussion of communism, you know, occurring in, in an African country or in, in an underdeveloped nation, which some people may not have predicted from reading Marx uh, in a very rigid way. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I think that the most uh, practical uh, things that we can expose that defines the current situation, it's uh, one that uh, clearly the the regime cannot make any new reforms that may address the issues that our people are already identifying as critical problems. And the problem being democracy or a new system or a new order. And this order, it is only when they are part and parcel of the, of the decisions or decision-making processes in the country. They have tried everything to change to improve their lives but I think clearly it is uh, being undermined by the attitude of the system that runs them. Making education to be expensive, health to be exclusive, and even access to the economy being very difficult and problematic. Oppression and exploitation has made our people to realize that, that there is a new order that is necessary. And uh, equally that uh, capitalism in Switzerland, it is also struggling to also expand to full potential in the sense that uh, the autocracy being conservative uh, has undermined also some of the progressive aspects that capitalism should have provided in the country. And therefore it creates a weakness in the alliance of the feudalistic aspect of the dictatorship and also of its character of capitalist characteristics. Therefore, and also within the international community or international context, you can realize that uh, imperialism, whilst it advances, it also has the aspects of contestations of a one of super, superpower to the other and makes our country even more vulnerable. And as such, it then offers us uh, with uh, some of uh, the critical aspect that fears or conditions that might have undermined a independent or aspect of self-determination are also weakened or in the world order, they demonstrate a non-rigid condition as it were before, but we are not trying to say or to think that in our society, those factors of capitalism, of imperialism may not have a factor to undermine any change that will lead into socialism. But in totality, the conditions in our country a, defines a change of a system. That's why in the main light of a, our situation is the fight and struggle for democracy that will lead to socialism or a socialist democracy. And in that pattern, it will accommodate a, in a peaceful way the coexistence of two modes of production. But the, those production modes will always define the proximity of the working class into power and define their class interests. And we have also realized that uh, our country and our population is already a young population. Uh, 
the highest number of people in our country are, are young people and they are influenced mainly by socialism, by communism, uh, because in the context of the context, in the context, how change could come about, it must define a more theoretical or practical understanding. Not as it were in the ordinary condition where the peasants could be suffering or, or, or in the cause of uh, being impoverished, they will have no idea of what kind of a system could lead into real change. I think with the young people in our country, some of them with some few levels of education, with minimum skill, but they are easily connected to, to socialism, to Marxism. And that is why in the course of the study today, the motivation is about total change, is radicalism and the militancy of the young people that gives in and ushers the most high impetus of activism, which we see and which might have existed, as you have said, in Europe in the in the in, in the in, in early 1900s and so or, or even before that. But in our country, in our situation, these conditions are existing now. Of that reason, that you can may see some elements of similarities that struggles that awake in Europe then are emerging in Switzerland because I think the practical conditions are also defining the condition that existed then. But on another level, it would be where is the world order today? Our view is that questions in any country, even in capitalist countries, are being raised about a, a, a issues of a, an alternative world order. And therefore, we can easily connect with that because we are aware that capitalism exists now because of wars and also financial oligarchies and also the attitude of seeking to control a world by and then competition over the world by superpowers. That itself created a very important contradiction that our own cause also fit in immediately. And also that there is now an easy share of information and flow from others. We can still say in our country, we are still demanding a lot of literature on Marxism, literature on class struggle to support and boost. But in the totality, we could see that we are and our people are already producing the literature that is required, the knowledge that is required, because each and every moment we are then exposed into, into those dynamics. I will make an example that uh, uh, the textile workers in the country are fighting for better wages and better working conditions, highly exploited and highly oppressed. And in their own fight, they are already fighting a system, a world order system. The companies that are running the textile industries are from Taiwan. Our country are rented, our country is being rented by Taiwan and the market is the USA. So in this kind of conflict, the people of our country are now fighting along the areas of determining that there is multinational companies that are involved. There is an imperialist order that they are fighting in and it's supposed to build and boost consciousness to say how best can they enter into that relation. And in, in gradual terms, their consciousness builds up immediately because they could now see that and identify that what is betrayal and how, to, how it can struggle be waged and what are the conditions of struggle that are being waged. But on the other side, the underlying patterns of poverty makes no choice. Uh, uh, there is a need to fight for a new order, but un on, and, and under these circumstances, a revolutionary change is required. And therefore, we could realize that uh, these conditions are bringing in some, conduct, some cause of necessity in the sense, sense that neither the oppressive system nor the forces struggling for freedom can find any way common other than a, a change of a system, a change of an order. Because the regime can't also organize itself better, whether with imperialism or on its own, it cannot. And imperialism cannot colonize our country. It is not, it, is, it cannot make any sense anymore. 
So there's a need now to, to create a condition, but we are also observing elements that the only condition is that within the progressive forces, there might be an interest of, mob, of mobilization of the higher middle class to seek to submit the worker struggles or the struggles of the people into imperialism and now using them from the local uh, uh, structures, from the local forces to be the ones now that champions or reinforces the interests of imperialism. And in that case, I think with the existence of the Communist Party and as the conditions are today, it becomes so difficult. That's why a transition that will have been facilitated for an elite transfer of power is, uh, is a non-starter up to now. And it can, there is no movement forward because of those practical reasons. And therefore, it brings in a condition where the transition itself is a very important impetus for further mobilization and also raising consciousness and also stimulating revolutionary activism that also creates a conditions of a new order and, 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 and those kind of aspects that might be required for the establishment of a, a democracy with serious grassroots participation. Because it is clear that our people will say and are saying that they should not be exposed into any condition or environment of that nature. And therefore, the fight from moving from a, a, a autocratic into a, a liberal democracy, it's a very impossible situation now, unless or otherwise tendencies that may develop in the world and change of attitude of right-wing uh, elements may engulf our society. Possibilities may be there, but I think it will also be creating a condition where it will be a determination that the rule of forces of the coordinating forces will now be defined in, in a way that our country could be turned into a civil war situation and probably depopulate our population. I think that could be the, the worst part of it. And in practical terms, we view that this can, cannot happen in this present well order. Yes, we are seeing elements that might assimilate of such a kind of an attitude, but in our own viewpoint is that those conditions of threats cannot necessarily find space. They can only find threats only when we can abandon mass mobilization and, 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 and raising the consciousness of the people and also building organizations. Because I think where we are and how we stand now is that it is correct that even the, work, the workers of our country are yet not ready even to submit to sacrifice to the highest level. I think that is one of the practical situations that we are raising. But we are also seeing that the only difficulty that exists there is the issue of uh, the labor aristocracy that has occupied, that has full control of the union. But when you look at the grassroots level, the workers of our country are ready to sacrifice and they're prepared to do anything. What the workers in the textile industry have said in, the, in their strikes that is still ongoing then, we're saying that it can either be death other than to submit into the system, other than to allow that the factories could operate normally. So I think those are the conditions of the militants that think that has been galvanized in our country. So in one or another, the prospects exist. And you have, might have seen also that most of those that are in the ruling class are now vacillating towards the side of the strugglers and they are showing up militants, even though they want to claim control at some instances. But I think this is the most positive aspect of how the situation has changed, how the ruling elite or the ruling aristocracy is being weakened. But we still see that there's still a need to do much. The other aspect that we can also bring in that brings this situation is that uh, of, of, of thinking that the, the struggle can or, uh, possibilities of waging a revolution in a Marxist way and with elements of total change, it is that the regime now relies on the military uh, to run its, its management, its administration. And therefore, we could realize that it is becoming the weakest part of uh, any struggle to be exposed into those conditions, meaning that the, the act of violence can also simply 
revolutionizes the situation, brings in every situation of struggle to be highly politicized in the sense that the issue now is to fight for peace because our country now is begging over, over peace as insecurity is all over uh, the experience of our people. So those kind of conditions that the regime is creating are also, as we have said, that is they are, they are digging their graves deep up and also making sure that literally no family can now rule uh, our country. And then there is a total rejection of monarchical rule. I think you might, in, in, in the past, we have seen uh, some within the pro-democratic movement trying to assimilate a revival of a, 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 a constitutional monarch. And what we have said as a party is that it would be equivalent to a relapse into a priorism because what happened in 1968 and the results that we have experienced, even if now it is 20, 21st century, if we repeat that, we may not see any different results. The result will be the same. But I think that is how it has weakened some of the reformists, some of the opportunities that my was, was trying to say they can annex the revolution to the to the to the to the to the regime that is also refusing. Msuati and his family are refusing, and we I always step on that they cannot co-rule with the ordinary people of our country. Their their fear for democracy makes the situation a, a bit more easier for us and a bit more workable in this situation. And as I've said, these contradictions of the of imperialism and also of the feudalistic system are making the things the, 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 the dilution on the side of the enemy very workable and also promoting more radicalism, more militants. But in the in understanding then it supports the, uh, the, 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 the rapid growth of consciousness. And I think also then because how we, we look at our situation that there has been no active industrial economy. It means everything that must be organized must rely on the democracy. And therefore, if it relies to the democracy, it means in practical terms, it must rely on the people. So what will count is that any element of productivity must be calculated as part of the productive capacity of our country. There will be no space for simply subsistence uh, agricultural activity because people have been exposed to that and there's no more labor to participate in subsistence. There's no family labor that can create or that can create family income. So family income must be a sum total of aggregates a, 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 a production. And therefore, in that instance, that there is no any new system that can draw into that part. And you have seen also the, how the world order now suffers from further expansion to other levels. Countries are seeing Switzerland only for geopolitical reasons, not for any political interest, because our country offers not that much mineral deposits that would be attractive into other imperialist bodies. But interest, instead, they might be interested in geopolitical proximities that Swaziland may offer for their interest in the region elsewhere. So those are, are elements that define the weakness of the system of the autocracy, which is capitalist and capitalist and also feudalistic. They've got very weak positions on their own side to define themselves in the future, which already it is in the determination. But it cannot stay long, but what you say, the more it, it, stays, it stays long, the better also it supports our revolution. But we are also saying the impatience of our people over the condition they are in makes it not to be prolonged. Therefore, there is that element of rapid growth, the rapid uh, understanding. And questions as to say what is to be done are asked each and every moment of our struggle and therefore invites the ideas of socialism to also give in the most accurate answers to those questions. Absolutely. And you talked a little bit about you know, alternative factions within the pro-democracy movement that are not endorsing the full call towards uh, abolition of the monarchy, abolition of feudalism. I I'm curious about this because in some ways, the position of the Communist Party of Swaziland is very similar to that of 
the Bolsheviks in, in Russia before the revolution. Uh, both, you know, you have been confronted by a monarchy, uh, a semi-feudalist country uh, that hasn't gone through full capitalist development. And in a similar way, you know, you have these factions that are in, in, a, in a way like in 1916 or 1917, they would have been saying we should keep the czar, but in a limited role. And uh, to me, it, it's relevant that the party is endorsing a full push towards, you know, abolish the monarchy, abolish feudalism, and attempt to really develop the country in a way that uh, this feudalism and, and the way it's been supported by imperialism has underdeveloped Swaziland. So deeply, as you were talking about with uh, Taiwanese imperialism in, in Swaziland and control of the market by, by the US or by the Western corporations. So in that sense, you know, what, how, how does the Communist Party of Swaziland take the leadership in the revolution and, you know, combat these other forces that are pushing for a more moderate, more conservative solution uh, to the situation that are calling for a more limited role for the monarchy, but still keeping it in some way or a more sort of uh, liberal or pro-capitalist solution um, to the current situation? This is our daily battle that we are fighting ideologically about how best can solutions in our country be provided. And uh, the most practical part that we are doing as a party is that we are building up the working class organizations or society into organizations. Formidability of the student movement and the women's movement that we are inviting into organization and also into activism and also the trade union organization where we are actively mobilizing now. And also in the rural communities where we are already trying to establish some form of uh, independence or some liberated structures, as we could see, changing the reserves into some form of a foundation for the democracy that we want to establish. It requires or it demands us to establish the critical pillars that are required for the socialist transformation. And also we have brought in as a party a, a aspect that in the transitional process, we need to ensure that every organization and every structure of our society participates. We have said even communities must be involved, cannot be a show of political parties. I think that is how the Communist Party has in one or another frustrated what will have been an elitist a submission of the struggle to the interests of the current arrangement in a new form or within some with some minor reforms or changes. We have pressed it in that way and we have seen really that we have it has created up so to say most of the liberal forces now now fear the masses. You might have also realized that in, when, as they fear the masses, they become so much obsessed uh, negatively with the Communist Party. And in that way they are losing some of them are losing popularities and they are losing ground because of their demonstration of anti-communism and anti-CPS methods of activism. But all those conditions have created us to even increase our ideological way. Our party is advancing very well to answer and explain every situation of development in our country. And we are aware that we are not actually to that level. That is the task that we are on in, but we are systematically through our activities, our activities, our activities on the ground, able to try to answer all questions that are appearing in our people, even those that appear minor. We as a party, because we understand that every cause of action or as a cause of struggle is the most important impetus for us to raise the consciousness and also to uplift the level of consciousness. We are also ensuring that 
there is already an establishment of a, a strong view and voice from the general people, from the general mass of our people that uh, any change that might come into our society now must come with a, 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 a well-organized democracy. And as they've said, with total freedoms. We have shared it very clearly that it is so impossible now that uh, a democracy can be achieved in Swaziland without a, without a democratic republic. And as we emphasize that this democratic republic will be organized, I think the party has given that kind of a direction that the only change that, is, that can resolve the problems in our country is a change with total freedoms, free of the press, freedom of the press, and also communities allowed or able to organize themselves and be represented and define their lives with those kind of freedoms. I think in that way, the party has organized, has shared most of its aspect, then it is tried to organize. But on another note, the party has also connected our struggle internationally. Our internationalism has not only us be seeking for solidarity from other countries. We have also shared to our people how the world is all about. We are also connected. We are participating in, 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 in solidarity struggles with the Palestinian people. We are also sharing uh, those. We are also exposing and expressing our own views and our own aspect about the issues in the situation in Ukraine to expose that it is about the badness of our control of the world by superpowers. And we are also encouraging that the working class of all people, if they could be expressed anytime in on the world, they will seek an order. And when we talk about the peace that must exist in Ukraine, we are defining it within the aspect of the peace that must exist in the world. And it must be a peace that can exist after the world order has been checked. So I think we have created, initiated those kind of engagement and debate. And the reception that our people are and their eagerness to engage and understand those dynamics, other than if it will be, they will say, why are we involved? Why are we bothered about the situation of Ukraine? But I think our people are more interested in saying, how will this world order influence or affect the, 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 the struggles in the country? I think those, those kind of conditions we have tried to create. So we have, we have tried as a party to say, if we do not build a strong party on the ground, and the revolution cannot advance. The party is directly involved in cadership training, training not only cadres of the party, but cadres of the working class organization. As such, it would be so impossible for any organization in the pro-democracy movement to have cadres that have never been touched by the party in terms of our political education program, because we have created not only the training of cadres, but the increase of class consciousness among the broader people of our country. The, 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 the cause of Marxism, the cause for socialism, has, has, has also not been seen as a threat to the majority of people of our country. The liberals and petty bourgeois uh, uh, ideology has not uh, developed, has not won ground, because I think our party has always tried to say, once we build our party, but its mass aspect must also be characterized. I think it is in that way, because the party can only be defended where the masses and the working class of our people are not only supporting the Communist Party, but they are also living in the true aspects of their own class interest in the, in the field of their struggle. I think in that way, we have created that thing. So the acceptance and the, the warm condition that the, mass, that the party enjoys within the masses of our country defines that our work that we have created purely and clearly defined that we are determined that the, 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 the breakthrough of the struggle organized now, even though it is about democracy, but we are quite aware that it will also define the class aspect of the democracy. And therefore, it is of that our view that socialism will be, will be built in the foundation of the democracy that will be established. And then as the party goes and strengthens itself, I think it will be very important that it, it is known that it's not a power of the Communist Party, how the Communist Party will interact and relate 
with the other formation in the period in the process of building up democracy. But our view and our point was that is, is that the economic interests to deal with the social with the social aspect of our society are the most fundamental aspect of why are we struggling. We have made it clear that we struggle because we want to control the state so that we can organize the economy in the, so that our conditions conditions of our country can change. Then that is how the direction of our, our, our work has also supported uh, the, the work on the ground that we cannot change anything if we have got no proximity into power. Then the debate would be what kind of a democracy or a power that must be organized that would make sure that the majority of our people are in that state. Therefore, and, and also the organization of the economy. There's a purpose that the, the, the political system must organize the economy and the economy must fulfill the interests of everyone in our country. Who is the everyone in our country? The majority becomes the working class people of our country. I think that we feel that in that way, our part has always guided the, the direction, but has also provided the most practical activism on the ground. Our party are able to enter into any space, even in the cause of repression, to also try to break even the, the most, most the terrible barriers that the regime has created on the ground. And we continue to improve and build upon our own work. As we have said now, the only purpose that can shift our struggle forward now is to create a momentum of direct action to the regime, make the regime unable to govern, make all the institutions of the, of the regime to be liquidated. We have spoken about that the chieftaincy system must be abolished. And we are also speaking about that the monarchy system as a whole must be abolished so that there could be a, a freedom of the press, freedom of the people to associate. And we are saying the liberties are very necessary. The liberty rights that are, that everyone speak about are quite very, very necessary and they must have a meaning into that part of work. And as part we have said, what kind of a democracy are we speaking about? We have also exposed that democracy cannot not only be the right for universal suffrage to, to vote and uh, other than to be politically involved in the dynamics of everything. I think in that way, our party has is continuing continuously building up on that line because our foundation was already on the same pattern that how best can we champion a revolution in our country to address the problem, the people. And each every bound of our work, we're improving and we're increasing our importance and we're increasing also our perspective. And also it creates now an element now that it becomes now the majority position. Uh, and if we are not ashamed of that, that it is now a popular view that there must be a democratic republic in Swaziland. It is also a popular view that the working class people of our country must have a say in the running of the state affairs of our country. We are also saying that there can be no any form of transition in our country that can come from outside without the role of our people. And that is exactly what people are. And our people are saying that it is also the role of the people on the ground that will make it very matured that the work must be done. It is of that reason that our mobilization for solidarity is not only asking for countries to intervene, but we are trying, we are also mobilizing working class position to support our work that we're doing on the ground. And therefore, as we see how the world order is, clearly we are able now to galvanize most of the solidarity effort from the working class people of the world, whom as we speak today now, our support to us rightly is genuinely supported by working class people who are in their own organizations are helping us. Not even a single state is making any role towards our struggle. We enjoy the work that we do and that is performed and from the working class people of, our country, of, of the world. And we are still saying we need much of the support from that part because it is only in that way that uh, the victory that we seek to achieve can be realized because it cannot only be us alone, but it is a struggle for the working class people of the world so that our country can also make a meaningful contribution in the world and we, as we have said that we receive 
uh, as, as of present now, donor support from countries from sweat of the working class people of our other countries. And also we are also saying our, our country also has also to make contributions to the world by making sure that all what we produce, our effort also adds value to the world order. I think that is the kind of notion that we are organizing that we are sharing as a part. I think our leadership responsibility or role has created some form of a transformation of the struggle towards that level. We count that as a party that, yes, we have done something and we still have to do more to achieve what we are, but the foundation of late is quite relevant to take us to the next stages because it is galvanizes exactly what we want about the revolutionary transformation of our country. Very, very, very interesting. Um, and I think I agree with everything you said. And I guess my last question would be um, thinking about how the party has changed um, and how the interpretation of communism and the, the strategies and tactics have changed uh, over 10 years. And even just, you know, something that, that's very fascinating to me is that the Communist Party of Swaziland founded in, in 2011. So probably one of the more recently founded communist parties in the world, um, but has been able to conduct so much uh, struggle and, and has such strong activism in spite of just being around for now, I guess, 11 or, or 10 years. And in those, in, in that decade and a little bit more, um, what has the party learned and improved upon since being founded? Uh, what has changed in the structure uh, and in the activism of the party um, that's far more relevant today, uh, 10 years later, since the party was founded? Um, and yeah, that would be my last thing is any reflections or any lessons that the party has learned um, over 10 years of struggle that make it far more effective as a, as a revolutionary organization now um, than when it was founded in 2011. Uh, we, could, we could share probably, it is uh, 11 years. Uh, I think the most aspect, critical aspect, I think which we can share that has been so much to our life was that uh, as a party over the years that uh, in the, its foundation, first we had the uh, activists that have been involved in the struggles and they have been involved in their practical way. They have gained experience about work on the ground. And the other aspect in that area was that we at the majority understood that there is cause for sacrifice. A struggle, it's uh, about sacrifice. We might have, uh, when we reflect on the 10 years, the condition was that we had operated in a very hostile environment, both inside and outside uh, the country. Nothing was so favorable to us that we found no grapes ready to be ready to be harvested. We started by cultivating the ground to determine what kind of seeds can be put on the ground. And we also determined the nature of the soil and we have prepared the soil very well and we have nursed the trees. And, and we said that it would be through our work to keep everything around us. We had also appreciated that when we plant the trees, but the, the tree itself must produce uh, the fruits. So we thought our part in that dimension that even though we are human beings acting to build a party, but it's not about us, it's about an organization, something that must exist, that must produce the necessary fruits. It was not an our own uh, uh, interest, it was about our work to make the party moves. And we have gone through almost most important historical processes when we are aware what is wrong, what is right as part as we develop day in and day out. We have created an increased certain conditions of discipline and conduct. 
amongst our party. We have understood that uh, problems and dangers in organizations are, 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 are always there, although but we said we have to understand in particular what can divide the party, what can neutralize ourselves, the ideological steadfastness, how, what makes us united. We have gone through almost in all aspects to say if there could be no political direction, if there could be no aims, clearly explained there is no purpose for any member of the party to stand up and raise the red flag and claim anything uh, 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 other than the, the what we represent. So I think that is what we've created. And we've also understood that it could not necessarily be uh, about an issue of defining the party along elements of individual person. We, we undermined, uh, actually we moved out, we categorized anything that our revolution doesn't need anything like a, fig a figurehead, but it needs an organization. It is a principal structure of, of, of an organization. We, we dealt with uh, all those conditions that uh, uh, will define about uh, issues of individual or personality cult. We created an organization based on uh, the, the ideology and the unity was based on that. We also understood that conditions for factionalism and divisions may come, may come in an organization, but what are they in practical terms? Once we develop element of elitism, thinking that a certain a, a, a sect can dominate the others and bully and, and push them into a particular position, we then create paralysis in that way. And our party survives and continue to, to grow. But the worst part of it is that uh, of, of, of a, a, a trade that our party might, might share is that it can also provide leadership to other organizations. We have never opted to infiltrate organizations. Our duty was we must empower and build these organizations. We have never thought that we must infiltrate the workers' movement. But we presented ourselves in a case that the workers' movement must grow and live independently, but it must also rely on the party member. Party cadres who have always worked in the organization have never ever claimed position, have never destabilized the operation of the organization. But instead, we provided leadership and supported because we had a clear understanding that these independent organizations are not communist parties. They are themselves independent and they must enjoy independence. What exists to us as a party is that that we must also in, register our presence and our views with them. So we have created that kind of conditions and we have gone through that. But what we have, shared, we have seen, what we might have seen is the direction that the struggle has assumed, but more, moreover, we have also seen that the formidability of organization. When the party was established, most organization had already left or disregarded any for anything called organization. It was always a, a movement, it was always forces, it was it would come up with spontaneous activities. But now we could see that there are systematic plotting and planning that action must now move from spontaneity towards organized activities for objective interest. So I think our party has created that. As we speak in now, the majority of people in our country in the pro-democracy movement are all in, in, in all aspects now cultivating common areas that may make us to fight the system, even though we might be diverse in the manner in which we are organized. And others are realizing and recognizing that the Communist Party has got a special role in that kind of organization. Even though there are conditions of contestations, but what is clear is that every organization in our country, in the pro-democracy movement, will always, if, if so by enough, are always interested to understand and also to share some other values that the party has. And the most critical value is that how does our party become so consistent and also growing each and every moment? I think most organizations are trying to learn from that. So that kind of endurance we have gone through, I think it has prepared us and made us not to lose focus and also build our own discipline in that way. It is not enough 
We still need to do more to achieve what we want. But I think the foundation that we have acted on and the conduct I think that we share is enough because they've allowed the freedom and independence of every member in the party to express his own view. I think those are the most important aspects. People who come to join the party are not most of them interested in the ideology, but they are also interested in the lifestyle that our party has, has created, the democratic lifestyle that we have created. They feel comfortable, they feel warm, they feel protected in the party when they live in the party because their ideas and their, their views are always recognized. I think it, it is in those dynamics that our party has allowed itself to grow and move and create that kind of influence. It was both objective and subjective. The conditions our country needed to be attended to and we cannot stop attending to them. But also we've also created that the only way to attend to those problems, we must organize ourselves formidably. I think that is a notion that is the pattern of our society. We have revived the, the whole movement uh, uh, in our country. The whole pro-democracy movement is revived. And what is more important is that elements of militants and radicalism now associate in the main, many people in the pro-democracy movement. Yes, with some few obstacles that we can also recognize, but the method and manner at which we are dealing with them, it is because we have understood them, what they are and how, how they will end, how they develop. So I think that scientific aspect, I think it has also allowed us to never sometimes get uh, carried away or carried out from other people, whether agent provocateurs and so on. We have always tried to be formidable because I think we have developed, we have allowed ourselves to develop better understanding about revolution and processes of revolution and also how to organize it at some level. With minimum resources, which everything was probably amongst ourselves, we have realized that this course of action can only be sustainable only when ourselves are able to create sacrifices. And we are aware also as that our level of sacrifices may not be the same. We have allowed that, but we are able to draw each other into that level so that we can create harmony in the, in the growth of the organization. But also we have never a lowered standards of life, standards of work in the party. We have created those kind of conditions, but we are also aware that we have not reached where we are supposed to, to, to reach. We are still continuing to build. So in one way or another, we've opened ourselves dialectically to say we are an, an element in society that is also subjected into the cause of scientific processes of changes. So I think in that way, we have created a, a very important aspect in our life. And then also the relationship that we create with other organizations and harmonizing conflicts and contradictions, but at the same time remain steadfast. Who are we promoting and protecting our, our independence? I think in one way or another, we have been able to do so. But what is good with our company is that uh, we have been able to say there is no moment that the struggle must not be moving. Even during the day and during the night, we need to understand ourselves and the different roles that we can play. But we have systematically also created a very important space about the issues of, of women and the minority right organization or people in our country. I think we have been unashamed to expose all those because to us, everything was scientific. We have never been conflicted because our trust with the ideology made us to scientifically expose other things. But in particular, we have learned a lot from revolutions in the world and how they've advanced and also how what setbacks have they come across. I think we have committed ourselves into the study uh, and as a part, I think we, but we still have to do quite a lot of work along those lines. But I think in a nutshell, that is how the party 11 years could be in one way summarized as it was a progressive, but a more influential and effective period of life. And also not for us as a party, but for the revolution of our country. And as up to now, I think most people in the world can recognize and can realize that there is an embryo and a revival of revolutions in, in the aspect. But in the main, Many people in Africa are also submitting revolutionaries in Africa, are also taking lessons from what we are doing 
and they are doing it in, in, in some of them in, a, in an equal level like we are, try, we are trying to do. I think that is another element of the expansion of our party that the 11 years was worth it. A decade uh, is enough to define that society can change rapidly. But what you can also appreciate was that the opening of the world to information also supported us because if we could have not raised ourselves and our voices quite well, I think in one way or another, we might have not necessarily also thought that there are things and lessons that we can adopt from other countries. But I think it is a, still a, a plan and a life that I think we need to live and build on and upgrade even better. Because as we can assess ourselves, not to be too critical to ourselves, but we can then say if we can add value threefold or fivefold, sometimes tenfold to what we are, I think we could add value to the struggles and make everything to be shaped because I think and all of you that conditions might exist, but what is important is that uh, the subjective factor must also comply. The positive alone cannot translate into a, a proper connection. We, ne we need also to bring in the subjective. So we are trying to stimulate. We have got no shame that our people might be out of uh, experiences, might lack skills, might also be out of uh, a connection with the world, but we have also trusted them that as long as they can still realize that where do they come from, they can also respond very well to that. We, we never we never shy the masses. We're never interested on the, uh, saying we need to have the develop aspect of only academia and other elite. We relied on the mass people of our country and upgraded them. And our party enjoys that kind of a life that even the less educated people in, in the country can also understand that the logic on this space of life of revolution that the party shares is a life that needs to be supported, that needs to be organized. Our work in the rural community, even though we face an environment where the masses have been manipulated by Tinkunda system and Tinkunda elections, but we were able to change things around quickly now and people can see things better than they will see. But with speed, I think that was another motion that the youth, the younger aspect of our activism made everything to be at least more faster and there was an agency. And I think uh, in that way, we, we, we could say that this 10 years uh, really helped to shape the revolution. Uh, and we are proud that our revolution has taken focus. We have created a condition as we, as we have said that it was in Russia in 1917 that such conditions have, have come out. And we are also saying that we had no aim. We have never thought we would be in Russia. We have never thought we would be how it was in that part, but as situation dictates now, I think it could say, yes, you are trying to, we are now creating a condition. The situation in our country is as almost as it were in Russia in the period of 1970. And also that one, it was because of the 10 years of a commitment and, and focus. I think that is how we can, we can share our, about our, our years. Well, thank you so much, uh, Comrade General <laughs> Secretary. Um, I guess I do have one final thing, uh, just hopefully it doesn't take too much time, but I would love, and I think people listening would also love to hear perhaps uh, some some of the hopes and some of the optimism that you have. As we've been talking, you know, you have expressed a great deal of, of optimism about the struggle and the direction it's heading in. But I think, you know, there's still so many challenges to overcome and you were pointing out some of them within the struggle and, and some that are also levied against Swaziland uh, as a whole, but yeah, if you could just summarize, um, you know, your your hope ultimately that that you know the struggle will be successful, that the monarchy will be abolished, and, and you know, the Communist Party will be victorious. Um, I think 
this is a, a way to kind of express this hope and, and view of victory in the future. So yeah, if, if you could just let us know, you know, some of the optimism that you have for, for the struggle. Uh, truly, we, we are optimistic and um, I think the dynamics uh, dictates that we have to, we have got no choice. There is no better future our country can come up with now other than a, a revolutionary change. And that revolutionary change it must completely reverse the miseries of the past. And also the willpower that is demonstrated by the activism in our country. I think it also gives us a bit more of a, a climax that will say, we cannot uh, 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 be reluctant to say it is a moment that we can throw out. But the other uh, uh, aspect that we can share about our optimism is that uh, what we are doing, it's uh, what the, the world is expecting us to do. Uh, in particular in the majority working class people who are aware of the world. Uh, what we are also doing and what we can, we are expected to do will also be adding value to, 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 to the science, to the ideology itself. Uh, there is a lot of uh, a, a literature or lessons that must be drawn from what we are doing in the country in our revolution. But in particular, there is a, a critical aspect of uh, uh, optimism uh, is that uh, our people are standing up uh, and they are also showing uh, courage that uh, what, we are, what we have been over the past, it is a moment now that we can change. Uh, we might be also uh, sharing some practical activism when we, we, we involve in our practical work on the ground how people easy are always interested in activism. Then are very few people that are, uh, are, are in the struggle, but that are not prepared to do something. There is that kind of an orientation. And also it is optimistic to us to think that we can bring a true democracy in our country to a, a true democracy in the sense that uh, the majority will be in power, majority being a class. I think, uh, that is a, the other part and parcel of our situation that makes us optimistic. But also what is critical is that we do not uh, uh, feel or think uh, that any form of reform can uh, define our future. Any, any gesture of, 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 of freedom or liberties, if the regime of, for any reason, there can be unbending of political parties. Uh, we always, all of us say, it will be a very important aspect to advance into action. And when you look at the situation as it stands now, there can be no way that there can be any form of reform. No any news, no any system can seek to protect or to improvise uh, attitudes of the ruling elite today. I think that is a part of optimism. Uh, and also agreeably is that uh, we have got some practical aspects that how best can we organize our country. I think we are also very uh, comfortable to share ideas about how the party can organize. It is not only how we can overthrow the system, but it is also how we can reorganize the new society. I think that is also where we are, our optimism also stay within those lines that we are aware how we have got ideas, how best we can mobilize for the organization of the economy. How best can we close the gap between the urban and the poor? And we are also aware how can we make use of the agricultural land in our country? How best can we combine and organize our people towards aspect of productivity? How best can we put women into a new position in society than they were today? 
I think all those are the sum total of what we think we are. But in the main, we know that the world needs peace. And we've got some ideas that peace can only exist if there's an, an, an increase in democratic practices on the ground. People have got something to defend. In any condition of a war is a threat to productivity, is a, a threat to livelihood. So people must also learn and understand that through democracy, they can defend all the interests that they, they have. So in one, in one or another, it is our trust and determination that democracy can change and resolve problems. But democracy also needs also to be a workable uh, process. It is not just a declaration, it's not a decree. Democracy is a practice. And we will say in, as long as we are fighting for democracy, the space to mobilize our people and raise their consciousness will make them to advance the struggle towards socialism. Yeah, we can share something, I think, with that part of uh, uh, optimism. It's uh, We trust much, uh, so much trust to our people. I think that is also where we 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 trust our strength relies on that we 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 have so much trust to our people and we have got no reason not to do so and because of what they have shown uh, but another part i think maybe we can we would like also to share is that uh, the the task that we are involved in in the struggle for Switzerland uh, has got uh, something i think of a higher role probably that it will play less than we might think we are capable of doing uh, in that uh, it will, will have some direct influence in the region of africa uh, the southern african region uh, where we could see that uh, with the strength this region might have on natural resources but it still also add numbers to the less disadvantaged people of the world. It is still the direction where donor uh, resources and donor products are being shifted in. There are practically no war situations, but there is grinding poverty and uh, uh, some form of uh, insecurity and sometimes also uh, we think uh, there is a, an uncertainty about the future of the region. Uh, uh, when we speak about uh, semi or neo-colonialism, I think the region also defines uh, a very classical aspect of uh, neo-colonialism at some stages probably unattended to uh, by other forces. You, many countries in the region suffer from mass poverty. There is still, people still lack housing. It may be only in South Africa where you can see commitments towards that. But the rest of the continent, people still live as if they were in their old ages. We are also seeing a very low level of industrial development. A, people in the region still lack food when most of the region has got fertile soils and the, that can also produce much only, not only for the region, but also for the other aspect of the world where it could be too expensive to do basic agriculture. We also can attest that the region still uh, have got a serious backlog of, uh, of uh, women emancipation issues 
We also see children in the region still suffer from malnutrition. I think our struggle, our course of action, we also had to focus on that part. We have our struggle produced or places us to a level whereby we are attending these issues at the regional level than they are in the country. Diseases are still killing people in the region. Actually, to some degree, that uh, what we are expected, what defines humility, humanity, is not the value in the region. The political elitism in our country, in our region, promotes what political system can. It's just like it's a the country. The countries are like in a project, like a project proposal to say whoever wants to come up and grab or who wants to come up and share, the political elites will then say, parading the country, these countries on the basis of what they can have, not for its people, but for other people, for investors or for people, for, for imperialism for that matter, or for capitalism. So I think in one way or another, there is a need to, to shape, to shift things in that dimension. Uh, we raise those as part of issues of uh, important discussion because it is important that as we watch our struggle, what is the attitude of our neighbors? And uh, we have squarely placed ourselves that the attitude of our, of our neighbors will determine how the change will come and in what form and also what are the other uh, aspects. If our struggle will have nothing to share commonly with the region, the region may end up seeing our struggle as a threat. And therefore we are connecting ourselves along those kind of dimensions. It's quite an important subject. I think at some stage then we need, as a party, we are engaging on it, but we also then say, it must also assume a particular platform. It may, it may not make any sense now because everyone may see Switzerland as a small country with a small population, with a insignificant economy that it might have. But I think more than anything, it must also look at actually what are the aspects of organization and reorganization that our struggling has potential of bringing. I think in that way, there are very practical subjects that will be there. And also it would be of importance to also recognize that, how will this uh, struggling or end up influencing the imperialist superpowers? Capitalist superpowers, uh, they have got no way to escape, to involve, uh, to, to escape involvement in either way of how our work should be carried out, can be organized. The USA is an important player. The European Union is an important player to a degree that it also influences, all those institutions influences public opinion and the world influences. You could also say that South Africa as a neighbor is among the, 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 the most important countries in Africa also his attitude and his approach to our situation is very quite critical. Uh, we also aware that Switzerland is uh, the only country where China doesn't have any, any diplomatic relations. We could also think that how will uh, China think or see about the whole conditions? Because I think to, for them, it is also another idea that, so you could all look all the varieties. You can also think about how other countries, even in East and, and Western Europe, might also have to think, but what is important is that for all the other reasons, uh, there is a need to that uh, we, we adjust, or not to adjust also, but we, we place our work within or in, in, in that kind of a context. 
So it is quite, quite a, a very important aspect to share or to enter in. I am not, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily ignoring the important role that uh, Britain has, because I think in one way or another, Britain still also thinks that Swaziland remains its uh, satellite uh, and it can only work and also save is for its interest. I think that has not yet shifted from the attitude of uh, British imperialism that it owns, it can own and control and must determine whether the aspect and the first Swaziland is. How could other countries enter and how could they determine? There's a super imperialism in our society. I think those are practical realities that also define dynamics. But at the same time, uh, we feel that we are closer to victory. And that's why probably we might also be in, in, in a space of raising some of these other critical questions because they also define how will this victory come about? How will it affect? But we've got serious hope that uh, it will uh, create a condition that none of all these forces in the world will feel that it is unnecessary because we think the freedom of the people of Swaziland and democracy in Swaziland is what must come up now. And uh, even if other countries might not have expressed it, but I think they might be shamefully uh, trying to think that uh, it was so unnecessary. Unfortunately, our history will have to be rewritten and how it will be rewritten, it will probably try to support and expose some of the, uh, the critical areas and aspects and say, in essence, what was Swaziland now then and what is Swaziland now? I think that that is the, the, the aspect and the dynamics that I think we are exposed to as we continue to wage the struggle. They appear to, up, to apply new questions or difficult questions, but in essence, they are underlining, underlying patterns of uh, issues around the context and the content at which our society is in the in, in the world. But uh, we should be uh, celebrating our victory in the next coming moments of uh, our lives. It is a matter of times we cannot necessarily be sure when, but I think in our view that only when we apply greater effort that we can realize, but we are also aware that there are huge sacrifices that we have to make and our people must make. Uh, sacrifices that may also mean probably losses of lives more than we are. But I think our people have already said that we have lost, our population has not been growing for the past 10 to 20 years. We are still struggling around a million people, even though there could be active life births, but I think that the births cannot replace the deaths. So I think our people are always saying that we have died all over the years silently. It is good if we die fighting. I think those are the other aspect of the, the willpower that we, we, we share. And we believe that we'll form a, a new society with characteristics. And then also we think that the world will appreciate when we have won our freedom because it will come as an assignment and will come as a task, but this task will add some important values for historians, for uh, scientists and probably for everyone in the world who might be interested in uh, in knowledge or who is interested in the recognition of uh, a human activity in one aspect. I think that is what we think we are due to. We have got that kind of uh, an attitude and spirit and momentum in our side that we have to carry things even if it is difficult, but to the end. 
Uh, I think that's where we, we, we are. And I don't think we are offside in that spirit. Uh, thank you, Comrade. Thank you so much, Comrade General Secretary. And just my last thing would be uh, to anybody listening, um, you can check out the Cadre Journal Twitter, uh, Friends of Swazi Freedom for a book drive that we're doing right now for the Communist Party of Swaziland uh, to bring you Marxist literature um, to help with the struggle in, in any way that we can. And uh, I very much appreciated speaking with you. And I'm, you know, really, really a, a huge supporter of the Communist Party of Swaziland and, and your movements is, is really incredible. So thank you so much for all the work you do, comrade. And, and, um, and Lutza continue to the struggle. Thank you, comrade. We fully appreciate, we really appreciate the solidarity. I think the Friends of Swazi Freedom have, uh, as, a, as a one of the, I think there's a first solidarity movement on Swaziland that has been established. But I think the work, comrade, has been done is great. We just have to continue with, the, with, the, with this work. Uh, it has uh, shaped many things in us, has shaped many things, I think, within other aspects of the countries. We are seeing the growth of support that is being galvanized by the Friends of Swazi Freedom uh, from across the USA to other continents, other places. I think each and every day we are adding, we are calculating and counting on value uh, for what you add and you share. It inspires our comrades in the country. Uh, you are also involved with us at times when you are in deep problems of distress. I think this particular solidarity is one of the critical things that makes us to move. We, we count uh, you as part of us at uh, all the regards. I think that is the, the notion that we have created. Uh, you have made us to feel, you have promised not to, we won't be alone. And we are also uh, actually in daily basis, in daily times, we are confirming that that we are not alone. We are receiving a lot of solidarity messages and statements from different organizations through the work of the Friends of Swazi Freedom. I think we fully appreciate that, Comrade. We, we will move. We are closer to victory. We will we will move together. I think that one cannot be ignored. Solidarity has come in our side. At some moment, we had thought we can do or we'll move alone because no one was uh, showing any sign on, on us, on support on us. But I think you volunteered your space, your time, and also your energies. That is greatly appreciated, comrade. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, comrade, and take the best of care. Bye. Thank you, comrade. Thank you.